you get to hear one of my few topical sermons. You can't go through Christmas without giving a Christmas sermon. Uh, last week we had our children's program, and uh, their theme was the reasons for the seasons, and it was so spot on that uh, it uh, it just drew appreciation from most of our hearts that they would present the Christmas story in its, what I think is its way of application to our lives. But as we look around the world, as we go about our daily lives, we see a growing tendency in the commercial world to what I call dummy down the Christmas holidays, especially here in America. We're supposed to be a Christian nation. Our school systems, Thanksgiving is no longer Thanksgiving, it's fall break. Christmas is winter break. Easter is spring break. Mm, don't like that. <laughs> Some of the stores, and I won't mention any names, like Target, instruct their employees to say happy holidays, not Merry Christmas. Home Depot and Lowe's, they sell holiday trees, not Christmas trees. There was a greeting on TV that really offended me when I began to think about it, and it was, have a magical holiday. And the more I thought about that, the more I said, they have just reduced the birth of Jesus to a magical feeling versus God's pouring out his love towards mankind. A few years back, right here in Madison, there were some churches in our area that were closed on Christmas Day because Christmas Day fell on Sunday. What? <laughs> I mean, my goodness. And as believers, with full knowledge of Christ taking on the form of man, there was nothing magical about it. It was simply God giving us his Son in our own likeness, in the form of man. God, who created man, becoming man, and that really is the good news of Christmas. Was Jesus born on December the 25th? Extremely unlikely. <laughs> Luke tells us that there were shepherds out in the fields when they heard the good news of Jesus' birth. Shepherds are not out in the field in the middle of winter. They're out in spring and summer and fall. That's when they feed their flocks in the pastures. So try not to get caught up into, quote-unquote, the exact date of Jesus' birth. Rejoice, rather, in the fact that Jesus took on the form of man and came and became one of us. Our manger scene, you can rent out Mary and Joseph for your next year's uh, Christmas card. 
<laughs> we can, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that, uh, Nielsen did a good job, and Mary and Joseph did a good job in the play last week. But uh, that's just a little, little reminder of what it was like when our Lord came. He came as a poor, poor man, not as a rich king. But he came when the time, when the season was perfect. And God sent his son, born of a virgin, at that perfect time. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 4, and we'll read a little bit of a different take on Christmas. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. But he is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. The Christmas story. We have been going through the Old Testament. We just finished the book of Exodus where God brought his people out of Egypt, brought Israel out of Egypt, gave Moses his law. Actually, by his own finger, God wrote on the tablets of stone the Ten Commandments written by God. But the law, the rules and regulations for the Jewish people were still in force at the time of Christ's birth. Jesus, it tells us, was born under the law. And even though he was the Son of God, he was subject to the law. But God the Father, he wanted a personal relationship with mankind, with you and I, and he wanted a close, intimate relationship like a father to his child. You can't get that relationship through the law. You can't come to that close relationship because the law tells us how much we have failed. And it's interesting when our children grow and become adults like mine, we want and an adult relationship with our children. But they're still our kids. And it can be asked in this way, when does my child become my brother and sister in the Lord? And they do. When they're adults, they're your brother and sister in the Lord. They're no longer your child in the eyes of God. But it's in the fullness of time when that takes place. In my mind, it's when they give me grandkids. 
<laughs> I've got it down simple. They give me grandkids. Hey, <laughs> I've heard it said next time I'm going to skip kids and go straight to grandkids. That's not all bad. But anyway, but until the birth of Christ and him going to the cross, there only existed a law relationship between God and man. But the fullness of time. And it's not just a clever saying, the fullness of time. It's to announce God's timing for the birth of Christ. Second Peter 3, 8, 9. Let me read you a couple verses. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. With time, past, present, and future, it's all in God's hand. God dwells outside of time. And God was precisely on time with the birth of his son. God was not slack. God was not late. He was not early with the birth of Jesus. For in the fullness of time, when everything was perfect, when everything in this world was set up right, Jesus was born. When Rome was in power militarily and politically, when the law of Moses had ran its course for something like 1,500 years, and just a side note, and when crucifixion was even the popular way of executing a criminal, Jesus came. These are some of the things that were in place in the fullness of time. At this time, Right then, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, a young Jewish virgin. And you know the, Christian, uh, the Christmas story, rather. Mary and Joseph, devout Jewish uh, people in their belief under the law also. And Luke tells us in his gospel that Gabriel, the archangel, appeared to Mary. And he described to Mary... All the details of the birth of Jesus. Gabriel also appeared to Joseph. And through a dream he told Joseph, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Go ahead. You love her, take her as a wife. For Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, deal with that one if you're Joseph. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has come upon Mary, and she has conceived. Joseph believed. To his credit, Joseph believed the angel, and that's, that's commendable. And Joseph named Jesus, called the child Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all the details of Mary and being pregnant by the Holy Spirit and the dreams of Joseph, they all came about because God had spoken already all of this happening through his prophets. And God told how it would come about. 
Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they call his name, call his name Emmanuel, or God is with us. This was spoken of by the prophets, and the time has come, and God brought forth his son, born of a virgin. The miracle birth, which we celebrate at Christmas, was not something magical. Therefore, the greeting, have a magical holiday, it is an offense to God and to his word. It's an offense to God's plan for mankind. It's just another way for this world, this unbelieving world, to try to steal away our celebration of Christmas. Christ's birth is the only immaculate conception ever. And that is not magical. That is a miracle of God. Christmas and God having his son born among men is not some hocus-pocus fantasy foisted upon mankind. And I urge you, and I urge myself, do not allow the unbelieving world to force this unbelieving attitude upon you. Keep Christ in Christmas. Keep Emmanuel in your conversation. Keep him in your thoughts all year long, and but especially here at Christmas. When the merchants tell me, have a great holiday season, I try to politely correct them. Then I will say something like, I'll have a merry Christmas. We've all driven through Chick-fil-A. If you haven't, you should. <laughs> They're closed on Sunday. <laughs> but they send you on your way. Have you ever noticed as you leave what they say to you? Have a blessed day. I noticed that. As a believer, I'm saying, they're trying to give me a blessing, not just say, hey, thanks for the bucks, you know? And I appreciate that. Jesus came and he took on flesh to redeem those that were under the law. And that is an act of love for all of us. The law vividly points out our need of a Savior, Emmanuel. The Jewish people had 1,500 years to try to live the law, the Mosaic law. They sacrificed animals, uh, sin offerings, time and time and time again. And that was the most they could do to have a right relationship with a holy and righteous God, even if it was temporary. Because the shedding of blood of an animal, all it ever did was temporarily cover your sin. Never took it away, it just covered it. But let me get you to turn to Hebrews. Last, last little turn. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll read some verses there. It's interesting. Uh, we don't really know who wrote Hebrews. We can suspect 
different ones. I suspect Paul, but uh, that's me. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 3 through 10. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls, goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he, speaking of Jesus, came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. In verses 3 and 4 there, we have the blood of animals that could not take away sin. They could only temporarily cover them. And you've, you've heard it said that if you were like me, you needed to have a flock of sheep because you would be sacrificing sheep on a regular basis. And that is so true. As soon as you sacrificed an animal for your sins, you would sin again, and then another animal needed to die. But in verses 5 through 7, it's kind of a uh, privy to the conversation in the Godhead. Jesus proclaims, Father, you did not desire sacrifice and offerings, but you've given me this body to establish a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus knew why he came. Jesus knew the purpose of him taking on flesh. In verses 8 through 10, God did not take pleasure in burnt offerings for sin, but it was necessary. Because we've read time and again, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That's a God law. The rituals of the law, they were not pleasing to God. And then verse 9, we have the purpose of Jesus coming. Behold, I have come to do your will, God. Jesus removed the regulations of the law so he could establish what we call the new covenant. Jesus himself becoming our sacrifice for sin. That through the blood of Jesus his own body as our offering. Not a temporary offering, but a once and for all sacrifice that was sufficient to God the Father, pleasing to God the Father. So this Christmas, Christmas of 14, 2014, rejoice at the greatest gift ever given to man Simply Jesus Christ, our sin offering. Establishing the provision that you and I can be the sons and daughters of God.
talk about a gift to mankind. What a loving God we have. So the question becomes, have you accepted the Christ child as your sin offering? That's the question. It's the greatest gift ever given to man. I urge you to do so. Let me get you to stand and we'll close in prayer. Father God, here we are, Christmas of 2014. Lord, I just pray that we would acknowledge you, not just at Christmas time, but throughout, throughout the whole year. And just be thankful in our hearts that you came and dwelt among us and you had a purpose. You were to redeem us, Emmanuel, to forgive us of our sins, to make that provision for forgiveness of sins. And Lord, we want to be quick to repent, to turn from our sins and accept your gift of love. Thank you, Lord, for going to the cross. Thank you for coming, dwelling among us. We are a blessed people just to know this truth. And may that truth just resonate in our hearts and lives throughout this coming year. We honor you and love you here this morning. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would like prayer for any issue, We'll have people in the prayer area back in that corner who would love to agree with you in prayer. But let me send you on your way with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.